And we're live with our 175th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined at a late hour by my co-host, Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We're excited to to be back. Uh, we know the time's a little bit off. It's a very special episode. We're going to be talking about our feelings and, you know, how we should be nice to other people. <laughs> no, we're not. But, you know, <laughs> I felt like I had to, like it was an after school special or something. Um, yeah. As far as announcements go, Ken, before we jump into it, I, I am prepping a round of t-shirts to go out. Uh, the new ones that are in, um, I've had a couple people reach out and say they want one. If you're listening tonight and you would like an Absolute AppSec t-shirt, maybe a couple of stickers and pins and other things, uh, reach out to us on Slack. Um, just go ahead and join via AppsoteAppSec.com. The Slack invite is in there somewhere. And uh, yeah, we'll be more than happy to send you a t-shirt. Anyway, um, outside of that, uh, Locomocosec is upcoming. There are still a couple of slots for our course at Locomocosec. Um, if you want to do a secure code review, you can pick that out and do it there. We'll post the link here shortly. And in addition to that, DEFCON trainings. We are teaching practical secure code review at DEFCON. It is the two days following DEFCON. It's not a workshop. DEFCON is offering paid trainings this year for the first time ever. And we've been chosen to you know, offer our training there. Both of these are public courses. We're getting back into the, we're rolling with it again. We've got public courses that are going again. So yeah, consider us if you, uh, if you so, if you want to, right? I guess is all I, I've got there. Um, let me think, think, Ken, is there anything else that you want to bring up before we dive into some of the, you know, ongoing? Yeah. Uh, so Right. So, well, the first one is I am hiring for, um, our, so I manage two teams at GitHub, one's red team, one's assessment team. Uh, so I just posted a link. We are hiring on the assessment team. Um, I don't know why there are two separate links. It's just one role, but it's, um, uh, you can be in the U S Canada or Europe. Um, but for some reason they did the U S and Europe links separately. So I don't actually know why Seth, but whatever, that's actually just one role. In any case, we are hiring. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you have to work with me, unfortunately, but you know, I just promised the, re the rest of the team is really awesome. Um, then let's see, you mentioned DEF CON, we're doing training at DEF CON. So cool. And then obviously like, I don't know how the podcast, oh yeah, we're, we're good for next Tuesday. The following Tuesday, I mean, we're going to be busy, right? So we'll have to figure out a different, yeah, we'll have to move that, that time um, slot. I know you're, we're submitting for like Black Hat Europe or something like that. Um, so, you know, there should be like a, at least a couple more conferences this year um, that we attend. Yeah. I don't have anything else besides that, though. Yeah, somebody's asking for our Slack link. Let me post it here really quick because we do have a good oh, group thanks. that's in there. Um, let's see. Like people. I don't know. Like half of these, like the way that Slack does links, sometimes they expire, sometimes they don't, whatever. I, you know, it's funny every once in a while I get like hit up with the link doesn't work. And then I'm like, oh, does it not work? And then it's like, oh, never mind, it works. And I'm like, <laughs> how it happened? I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I hope everybody's staying sane the last couple of days, especially if you're in the Web3 space at all right now. Um, if you've got cryptocurrency, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> last few days. Dude, did you see the, the Coinbase CEO response on Twitter? I don't know. I, I missed that one. Is that is that just based on the layoffs that Coinbase did? Well, well, no, I mean, yes and no. Right. But like they're I mean, obviously, like, the as you mentioned, the space is taking a hit. And so finances are, of course, an issue. And they had like, no, the criticism was, first of all, that they had like grown way too fast. Right. Like they had all these roles and they didn't they were trying to hire for it and they weren't ready or whatever. But uh, anyways, the criticisms, it, it, it came up because the, the employees themselves criticized three and uh, not the CEO, actually, which the CEO, <laughs> CEO joked about. Um Kind of a serious situation. I don't know if I would have been joking about that. Anyways, um, so three execs, top execs, uh, you know, they they were blasted for things like I just mentioned about like you know the uh, the whole uh, hiring too fast, the way they were spending, all of this stuff, um, and uh, generally creating like a. I think some of the complaints were about a rough work environment, whatever. So the the CEO kind of like um, you know basically went on Twitter and was like, well, if you don't like it here, uh, you can leave. Um, this isn't the appropriate you know, way to do it. Um, and all of that. And, uh, anyways, I don't, I'm not saying it because I have any thoughts one way or the other. I just saw it and I thought, wow. The only thought I had was like, wow, that is bananas. Right. Like that is, yeah, that's rough. That's a tough week. It is. And I mean, I, in our space, there's, I mean, you guys are hiring. I like, honestly, you know, if, if people are interested in the consulting space too, and have done some, you know, reach out to me as well. Um, like we've got a ton of projects that are ongoing and are always looking for talent, um, on the, you know, consulting side of things as well. But, um, like there should be places to land. You you always wonder how that's going to go. I know from a, like, from a pure business perspective that, um, some of the projects that were slated to be done this summer for web three companies have actually dried up pretty quickly. Really? Um, because yeah. they, you know, they're so dependent on the price of like, you know, Ethereum or, you know, Solana or whatever else to be holding in a certain place for them to, you know, be able to borrow money and lend money and all that, that, you know, the way that some of these companies are structured and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, uh, we don't have the budget for that anymore. Right. Like it's, where they're like Ooh. cutting back because they're just, yeah. I, I mean, that was one of the feel... criticisms was leveraging, leveraging yeah. customer assets essentially to to fund this type of hyper growth that's not even necessary. Um, not saying that 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 is not what I'm saying. I'm saying because I actually, by the way, I use Coinbase and like it, so I, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I'm not gonna sit there and whatever. Like it's not me criticizing, and this is other people. What other people are saying is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it should be interesting to see what actually happens in that space. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you and I are both extremely interested in it. Um, I yes, know Logic Hill as well. Stefan is, it's been on. Um, and we're going to spend more cycles and probably more of the podcast talking about distributed apps and, you know, D apps and DeFi and stuff like that, especially as we get into it, because it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, the Bitcoin co- code is out there, right? You can go review it. You can go see what it is. And a lot of these chains do release their, the source code, source code, um, which makes sense. Like from a smart contract perspective, if you're going to, you know, execute a smart contract, 
you want to know that it's safe before you execute against it. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, at, at some point we'll dig into that and like learning about that kind of stuff. Um, there was a good Twitter thread that I saw on that recently, but I don't have it at my oh. fingertips right now on just like getting to know cryptocurrency and specifically like being a developer and realizing what like security is in the web three space as you're starting to develop different on chain programs or programs that use the blockchain. So the let me see if I can find it. it yeah. It's interesting though, because, uh, you know, it's like, it, it is semi like typical web or I shouldn't say web. I should just say like application security, not web application, but just application security type stuff that can go wrong. But you have to know, you have to understand the context really well, which is like the financial model of how, you know, that particular platform works and, you know, like there's a lot of intricacy in where those abuse cases and fraud can occur. So it's, I think it's interesting because it's, it's, it's taking financial fraud and really sometimes nuanced approaches to like, yeah, to spilling money. Right. And then, but also doing that using traditional application security bones that just, you, you wouldn't have maybe thought of it in that context. And so anyways, like, and then also the third element to all of this, which are, Languages that are, you know, the languages themselves are fairly, um, I think I would say fairly secure. I mean, don't don't throw me to the wolves there, but I think fairly like Rust, Dart, right? Not too, not too bad. But, um, but then like, you know, there's not a ton of, like when I looked up, I told you when I was looking at like trying to look up like security research on Dart, right? Like there wasn't a ton that I could really track down. And so it's like, it's like three different interesting things kind of coming together. You know, I don't know. It, I think it's pretty cool. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, it is. Oh, and this is, okay. Yeah. Me and Aaron were talking about it. I think that's where I had it. But this is from this Adrian Hetman. I think he's made that jump, right? Um, but I just posted it into our, um, here, I'll drop it into the Slack channel as well. Because it's it's super interesting. And like when we start talking about, you know, this, this convergence, like you're saying, but also in general um, security, it's, it, it does go back to the basics. And this is what I run into when I'm looking at these chains, when I'm looking at this code is that input, it's a, it's all a trust issue, right? And we trust the users with way too much, right? Like as where, as far as like addresses are concerned, or we allow them to change different variables that we're executing a smart contract against, and don't take into account that, oh, well, if they do this 100 times, all of a sudden they've drained our wallet, right? Or they've drained right. all the funds that are attached to a specific pool. And it's, it's, they're not that novel of attacks, to be honestly honest with you. It's just that we don't have enough people in the space, again, that really understand how to read a smart contract from a security perspective or from a source code review perspective that that sort of stuff happens. Um, because when you, when you start looking at it from with with the security lens, you start to think about again the threat model that you do up front, right? Like what can go wrong? And you and I have just been on a project, like you were helping me out with some, you know, talking about this, like what can go wrong, and the amount of things that we uncovered, um, given what the what the Web three you know application did was actually pretty extensive. 
Um, you know, a lot of it wasn't, you know, high severity or what you consider to be like a critical issue, but all these little mistakes start to add up. Um, and those chains are what result in things like Terra Luna or being able to, you know, depeg a, a currency or a stable coin and cause a whole infrastructure or, or a whole uh, framework to just drop. So, so take a look at that uh, thread if you're interested. Aaron, thanks for sending that uh, over. Check, check, yeah. check out here. Uh, and this what we weren't slated that, to, Yeah, we weren't slated to talk about this today, but there you go. If you look at that, that tweet, yeah. If you look at that that part of the tweet, it's it says you're actually the one of the top five tools in the space. Um, <laughs> it says some of the interesting security tools that can help you and improve your workflow are Solidity Visual Developer, Surya, uh, ETX.info, GitHub.com, uh, DAP Tools, and uh, sorry, the DAP Tools that's on GitHub.com. And it just oh, says SAP. SAP. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought. So that was pretty good. I was like, "Oh, Seth, you're a nice." That's cool. hilarious. What 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 tool is that? Oh, that's the Ethereum CLI. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I am one of the top. Uh, yeah, you are one of the top most useful tool. Top five most useful tools. <laughs> I Please, thought you were Aaron, going after me for being that. old or something like that. You know, I'm one of the, the biggest no. tools in the industry. <laughs> no, I would have said you're one of the oldest tools in the tools <laughs> industry. <laughs> uh, anywho, anywho, that's messed up. That's inappropriate. That's but it's yeah. after hours, so after hours. And wait, yeah, I, I, Ken and I, uh, we we weren't going to talk about this, but apparently we are. So I uh, actually think it's a fascinating. No, I actually think it's a fascinating landscape. I just. Um, Probably not from the, 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 uh, sorry, I'm still laughing about the, mm. I'm still laughing about this tweet because it's up on my screen. Anyways, uh, no, but not, not so much. I mean, I'm not a crypto bro, right? Like I don't, you know, it's not like crypto finance is incredibly interesting to me. It's just that in the context of, you know, something new in a, from a security standpoint, it's really fun. So it's really cool. Yeah. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. I mean, and well, and this is part of, right, like maintaining, well, I, I mean, we can, we kind of, you and I were talking before the show, right, um, kind of about burnout and the fact that, you know, we get to these, you know, periods of the year where it does feel like things are a slog. Um, and when you stare at code, code all day long, right, like it, it becomes that very quickly. And so you've got to find things that you're interested in or excite you about the space that push you a little bit further, right? It's something new to learn. It's something, you know, that you're interested in, whether that is something like mobile development, mobile apps a few years ago, nowadays, the Web3 stuff, because it does feel so greenfield and it does feel like there's not a lot of security there. And there's, a, there's so many companies popping out of the woodwork that want to do NFTs, that want to do security, but you know they barrel along so quickly, and they have so much money. To your point, that security is often an afterthought. Um, mm. And yeah, well, but let me ask you things, this. Right? Like, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, no, no! Keep going, keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, I was you know just to wrap up my thought that, that was, um, you know, 
finding those new things to help prevent burnout, right? Like it's been fairly critical to me personally to have those different projects, to have new stuff that's popping up in order to maintain like my focus and my excitement about the industry. It's things like doing the podcast, giving back, right? Because you can only, I mean, honestly, like when was the last time you were excited by an XSS finding, right? I just... Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, oh, no, no, no. Actually, it's not true. There, That is not true at all because there was, <sighs> I can't talk about it. I want to talk about it so bad. I, I don't think I could talk about it yet, but it has to do with latex uh, and some interesting JavaScript and um, some other cool th- I want to talk about it, but I can't. But yes, okay. there actually was for once an XSS thing that had my interest um, and, and yeah. captured a lot of people's interest. So anyways, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it's no, like it does, totally, it, um, uh, it, it is, those but, but yes, for the most part, it's yeah. very boring. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, but sorry, you, that, that, that I won't, I can't, it can't even get spun up off that right now because believe me that, that, that that's, a, that's actually a really ra- fun rabbit hole. But I'm, once it's, I don't know when we make it public, but when, when, when we do, it's going to be pretty cool. But anyways, um, no, I was just going to ask you, like, because, you know, got to got to discuss it. Do you think there are. Well, I got to ask, are there experts in this field is or is it just too, too new? Because like and do you think it's too new to, to, to have someone dub themselves a, an expert on, you know, crypto Web three, uh, all, you know, all of that uh, space and security? I, 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 oof. Specifically, being a security expert in that field is what I'm what I'm saying. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I it like most of the most of like the experts that I would say that are coming into it are like um, blockchain, um, low level, almost academics, right? That are doing like civ- ah. like extreme research. And there's a couple of groups that are out there that do that sort of thing. Um, there are a couple of companies that claim to be, you know, Web3 or, you know, crypto, you know, security experts. Um, I would say that, I mean, there, there are people on staff that do understand it probably at a, at a level better than I do. Um, sure. Right? Like, I, I feel like every time I turn over a new protocol, there's like new things that I have to figure out and how like smart contracts on that protocol work. Right. So like, I think that the security experts right now are very, um, are very siloed is what I want to say. This is why I go back and forth. I think there's, there's, there's those that are so, um, are such experts on something like the Ethereum on Ethereum and the Ethereum blockchain, right. That those that, they don't get out of that space. They're looking at distributed apps that use that blockchain that use, you know, that use that cryptocurrency and, you know, are looking at solidity and they just stay in that space because there is so much there. So it's very much kind of a siloed, like you become an expert in, you know, smart contracts, solidity, you know, smart contracts, or, you know, you flip over, you're on Solana, Solana, or, you know, there's other spaces that you can play, but it is, it isn't such that, someone's an expert across the board. Um, and, you know, if you go to one of these places and they say they're an expert on every single chain that's out there, or every single protocol that's out there, uh, I would start to question whether or not like, you know, who it is that they've got there and what their, 
methodology is because most likely what's happening is they is these experts build in the time to an assessment to actually come up to speed on you know the new like whatever language you're using for those smart contracts whatever protocol is you know being used behind the scenes and how that chain does does things differently that's part We've of what you're having to pay for yeah we no, I mean we see that a lot in tra- even well I wouldn't say traditional but I'd say like mobile and IoT good example people that started with web security and then were like oh we're IoT experts now it's like what does that mean you know what, yeah. do, what do you mean you're you're an expert at Telnet and you know FTP <laughs> and like sh- shitty shitty like little routers and you know like what does that mean like so but that but to your point that's that's what it means it means buying a you know, whatever devices and baking in the time into that assessment to, uh, which is again, nothing wrong with that, especially if you're upfront. Like there are certainly times where it's like, it's well, I guess you, what's, what I would say is not wrong is when you're upfront and transparent about it. Right. That yeah. doesn't feel t- terrible. If you're not, and you're like, Oh yeah. It, yeah. If you're pretending, then you're pretending. It's not yeah. honest. But, I mean, I mean, anyways. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's always been the case, right? And and uh, you know, to be fair, when you you know figure out how smart contracts work, you understand you know what a distributed app is and how it interacts, how it stores things on the chain, like what the you know what the advantages and different dif- disadvantages of the different protocols are. Then you can't apply that, right? It's the same thing as us, you know, taking our secure code review framework and looking at a new language. It's just building in that time to understand those framework nuances, as we always call it out, or those protocol nuances in this case, right, on the Web three side of things, because that's going to be um, that's going to be the difference in actually finding something or analyzing or coming up with threats for that specific smart contract for that specific distributed app, you know, as opposed to, you know, not being or spinning your wheels and only looking for the same thing that everyone else has looked for in that space. So So it's probably too early to call yourself. So summarizing, it's probably too, too early to call yourself an expert on everything or to, to say that unless you're like literally hiring, you know, I guess specific, like all of the specific protocol and blockchain experts from academia and having them consult or using them as like a pool of consultants. Okay. Maybe, but beyond that, what you're saying is most people are probably specialized in, you know, a couple things and then they just, you know, like you said, bake in time or it's just uh, a shit. Uh, sorry. Didn't hit my mic. Um, or, you know, otherwise just maybe fooling themselves. But that's what it sounds like. <laughs> but you yeah. said it much nicer, uh, in a much nicer fashion. So, um. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to discount that people know what's going on. And there are some for sure. Know, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely companies in that space. I mean, you know, Stefan used to work at uh, what Trail of Bits and we've had some friends that were over there and those guys play in that space. But the level of testing that they're doing is is very interesting and kind of almost at a deeper level than when we look at, you know, some of these new web three companies that are, you know, minting NFTs and then yeah. you know, using, using a backend exchange to actually like transfer the, you know, the, those NFTs from one wallet to another one. Right. Like, and the risks are different when you start to look at the different levels and the way that people interact with them. And we've got this meshing of 
traditional application security, like mobile applications, like wallets that run or that, you know, are hosted on your iOS or Android device, the protections that go into that have really very little to do with the blockchain. Um, hmm. And, you know, but at the same time, they're making requests to, you know, the chain at some point to do a transfer, to do a swap. And so, so it's interacting with it there. And so we've got this crossover. And and anytime that we have so much complexity, that's where the, that's where the exploits happen. That's where the vulnerabilities occur. And that's where, you know, we, we identify those threats. Right. So the more complex something is usually, yeah. Yeah. The more prone to some, issues it'll it'll be whether that's security or just you know functionality breaking i think it's a yeah just kind of a rule of computer science maybe a rule of just life i don't know just get deep here in, in, in philosophy cool well um Awesome. Thank you for your, cause I was going to, I, there's, I have a lot of more questions, but I'm like, eh, I think I'll save them for another episode where we actually like dig farther down. Um, cause most of them are also like, I don't want to put you on the spot with tons of opinions. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, what did you want to talk about? Did you want to, I like that JWT article, by the way, that you, you brought up. Yeah. We, I mean, that was over at Port Swigger. So maybe we go there. Um, hold on. I wanted to, Aaron just posted me this one, this one. This is more funny, right? Like, yeah, basically future of the web looks bright. Web one, web two, web three, web five, web 95, web 98. At some point we get to web Emmy, right? That's, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, old Emmy. Old nice. Emmy. All right. So yeah, let's talk about JWTs because those are your favorite thing, right? I heard you want to use it for every every possible condition, right? That's, I remember right. Cool. You gonna post that, or you want me to? I'll post it right now. Cool, cool. So this one was posted, and I, I honestly like. I think both you and I were big fans of Port Swigger as it is, and James Kettle, the team over there, is doing so much good stuff, right? Um, and I always love to see when they they come out with these the Web Security Academy stuff because it actually does force. Uh, or it provides everyone with the ability to test it out, right? They've got the labs that they build into it, which are really good to extend your understanding of both technology and the vulnerabilities and attacks that you can execute against specific technologies. So the request smuggling ones are really good. And this was a new series that I pretty sure just popped up within the last couple of weeks, right? Or a week, if I remember right. I think they posted about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know the date of when this was posted. Um, yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Now that I'm, I know it probably doesn't matter. Yeah, it was two days ago that James posted it to, you know, like the our NetSec and a couple of the different channels. So, oh, okay. We, <laughs> so it's fairly. Do we, do we need to give the? Do you want yeah. to give the primer on what a JWT structure looks like before we? delve into how that gets kind of jacked up or the ways that they've said that this can kind of get screwed up um, or Um, or things can go wrong or I can whatever let's see Ah. if I can share look look this will be fun Um, sinuses are killing me tonight oof 
Okay. I'm telling you, it's this time of year where pollen is just coming at me, man. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So um, JWT structure, right? Um, and they give this nice little you know, breakdown here. JWTs, if you've never like seen a JWT or if it's never popped up in your testing, um, you will see it because they're often used. Um, structure is you know, a number of different blocks separated by periods. The first block, as you can see here, is some sort of uh, specification. And it's just base64 encoded. Most of this is not encrypted. Um, you can pull all these values out if you see them flowing back and back and forth. Um, so like the you know the first block there that's pink, I think it is. Um, actually tells you the algorithm and the type, like what it is that's actually being sent. So in this case, right, it looks like it's none, which is a bad thing. We'll get into that. The type of um, uh, JWT specification, um, like there's a couple of extensions to it that they get into, um, JWEs and, you know, one of the others. But, you know, it will specify whether or not you're authorized to get into this um this application, right? Like you, you provide the application with a JWT, the application checks that JWT for, you know, um, expiration and then also auth authentication. So it looks at the different components there. It says, is this intended for me? Um, what are, who is the primary there? Is it signed properly? And then allows access without having to run through a typical uh, login process. So it's often used by single sign-on or for single sign-on across multiple different types of applications. Uh, I'm trying to remember if Okta and you know some of the other providers, if that's what they use by default as JWTs. I don't think it is. I think uh, no, I think it's, well, yeah, usually it's like SAML. SAML. Or I, thought it, yeah. I thought it was SAML. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It's SAML. Yep. Um, but this, so it's a, it's a different method, method for authentication. That's all that a JWT is. Um, but the structure mm -hmm. here, anytime you see a, a string that starts with EY, this is one of those you know, hints. Um, you know that that is a decoded curly brace, right? Open curly brace um, from a, a base64 decoded open curly brace. So anytime that I see that in a long string that's being sent back and forth with a web application, first thing I'm going to do is drop that into a decoder to see if I can figure out what's going on underneath the hood. Just as a, you know, you start to recognize those things over time. So sure. Um, yeah. So there's three parts, right? JWT is a header, a payload, and a signature. The header and the payload, obviously, that's where the data is being sent across, like who you are, like, you know, what role you have. And then the signature is, you know, what the identity provider has signed and given you to authorize that or that token or authenticate that token as valid. Um, so the application technically can take a look at that JWT, break it down, check the signature to make sure that it is issued properly, you know, by their trusted certificate or trusted identity provider and allow access without any communication from the application to that identity provider because it's already all been set up. That's the idea. But we see a lot of misuse here, right? Both in structuring JWTs and how they're actually being used. Um, am I missing anything on that, Ken, that maybe we should explain? No, so I mean, I'll just 
No, I just think like the salient points are that, you know, like you said, there's a signature payload and why am I forgetting the other one? Signature payload and header. The header. Header. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I mean, the, the, the attacks, well, I, I, wanna, I don't want to say attacks. I want to say really a lot of these are just misconfigured or they're just flawed uh, approaches to generating JWTs as well as flawed approaches to verifying uh, these JWTs correctly. And a lot of that seems to come from within the payload, interestingly enough, like when they, when they talk about, um, you know, m modifying the, uh, what is it? The, um, this, this, the algorithm that's used to sign. Uh, so one of the attacks they talk about uh, is being able to modify the, actually uh, that the algorithm that's specified for signing so that if you were to, uh, you know, modify that payload and change that signature value to like none, in theory, it would reject that and say, oh, you know, like that's no, um, we've got, we're parsing that. And if we see none, then like, no, that's not okay. But they talk about using like mixed case and other techniques that we've been using for like bypassing Java, uh, yeah, JavaScript, cross-site scripting, um, prevention and being able to actually execute your payloads, which I, again is like, um, that's what they're using for like, say the none value. So, um, that's interesting. One they talk about is, uh, uh let's see the, the, the other one that was really interesting was about, Oh goodness. I'm going to go. Oh, well, they talked about brute forcing, by the way, brute forcing using Hashcat, which was actually pretty interesting. Um, so just trying a bunch of different signatures against using a, using a bunch of wor wordless to be used as the key to generate the signature for the payload. And should the output match, then we know that word in the word list is the key used to generate the signature. So that was interesting. Um, well, and this is, I, I mean, this is the one of the things that I've always found interesting about JWTs is that we, we do use these um, like, you know, the, the algorithms that are using a single like um, key to generate that signature as opposed to, Hey, why don't, why aren't we using something like our public private key? Like, um, so they series. have that. <laughs> yeah, I know they do, but it seems like it, like we default to, Oh, what's the easiest as a developer, right? Like, and I totally get it that you want to get something up and running, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the article actually has that, uh, has a, a mention of that in some some ways that fell down. Um, I'd have to scroll down to that part and reread it. Um, but yes. for the other one, I, secret keys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's another one I wanted to just briefly mention, which is when you fail to verify correctly. We were just talking about this before the podcast started, where it's like there's two functions within this node library they mentioned, and it has a decode and a verify function, and so the developers presumably decoded instead of verifying. So you, for some reason, you can do those two operations separately. I think that's because the values inside of the payload are base 64 encoded. So when you're decoding, you're not saying like, oh, there's a verification that in, in, in this library specifically, when you, when you call decode, it's not also then invoking the verify function and saying, okay, well, if that returns false and don't decode, no, it's just saying like, I can read the payload and it's just base 64 encoded. So it's decoded, decoded and here's the output. And if you were to do that decoding without the verification, you'd have obviously a problem, which seems pretty, you know, obvious 
however I, I could actually totally see that happening i could totally if you're not familiar with the library and you're like generating jwts like yeah in a rush doing a bunch of things maybe you're less experienced developer i could totally see all that happening yeah well and we know that it happens right like it's just it, you know i mean nobody right. nobody's intending to do it but it does definitely <laughs> happen well, I don't know. You know, we've got our uh, insider threats now. So, you know, maybe they meant it. No, I don't know. Um, so then what did you read up on the public private key a little bit yet? Um, I know we've, you had all of one minute while I was blathering on to, 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 to yeah. check it out. That was this brute forcing of secret keys. No, this is just. No, that's the um, if you go down, there's a uh, well, they've got a mention of self-signed, oh, self-signed keys, keys, which is keys. awesome. Yep. But there is actually a public uh, key section. So you can embed and basically inside you can have like a, I think it's uh, the the, uh, the JWK. Is that what I'm looking? There's a JWK, which I think you can specify your actual pub. Uh, uh, yeah, you can specify the public key. It's supposed to be ver- verified against. Yeah. I'm going to stand up. My knees are killing me. Sorry, one second. You're fine. Yep. Yeah, there is a JWK, right? Like that is provides an embedded JSON object representing the key. Um, and then there's also one that provides a URL from which the servers can fetch a set of keys. Um, <laughs> Yikes. That, that, that That's always a little, yeah. I, I mean, again. How does that work? Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, go pull the public key from here. Um, that feels a little untrusted. You probably should make sure that that is going somewhere that you want it to. Anyway, and then the key ID. Um, ah, the, the kid. Key. Yep, the kid. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it will use those RSA, you know, the public-private keys. I definitely, like, I'm trying to think, the last few that I've seen, I, they don't have a tendency to use these, right? at least the ones that I've been dealing with, I'm sure there are developers that are out there that are using the, you know, uh, the JW, you know, the keys, the keys themselves instead of Ooh. just the, the full. Yeah. Ooh, they mentioned if the parameter is vulnerable to directory traversal and attacker could potentially force the user to use an arbitrary file from that file system as the verification key. Yeah. That could be interesting if you like, you know, I'm thinking of the case in which you're, uh, company that hosts a lot of files that can be viewed in the raw and contain content you know uh, but anyways I, yeah that's interesting very interesting stuff very cool um yeah i mean there's a lot there to dig into right and, and this is where i was you know somebody should you should dig in right if you're dealing with jwts you should play with it a little bit to see how this actually, you know, the different attack vectors that are available to you. Um, obviously when it's signed properly and you can't actually do a lot with it, you know, there's, there's going to be some issues with that or, you know, um, I mean, I can tell you, yeah, I, I would want to build a checklist and I, I will have our team build a checklist or build it in at least into our guidance and reference this article and use like, you know, uh, or be very, I guess, put it into like a, our secure coding style documentation for generating JWTs. Um, but yeah. also probably as part of our checklist for when we do reviews. So, cause I think I get, anyways, this article is super helpful if you have, and like JWTs are used all over the place. Right. I mean, for everything. Um, 
it's not just yeah. for like web, you know, web, web related stuff. It's a lot of like services that have to talk to each other through other types of protocols that have to, you know, have, have some validation of who they're talking to and things like that. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty far and wide ranging the the uses of JWTs. Yeah, well, and that's I I mean you or know jots. you get to the bottom of jots. Yeah, um, you get to the bottom of the article, and that's just it, right? Like you know, using up to date library, robust signature verification, strict whitelists for the JKU header. I mean, that, those are the things that we key off of. Um, but you know, one of the things that I appreciate about you know, port swigger or like the stuff that's coming out is they've they're they're stepping through all the threats right so similar to the process that we follow when we're doing dynamic and you know static assessments it is we you familiarize yourself first of all with what the technology is right in this case the jots you know what the structure is like what the format is and then they've sat down and thought okay what are the different attacks that exist right like it seems like we key for jots quite often on okay, is, can you set the algorithm to none and then just create a jot? But the fact that they've gone into things like the GKU, talking about the URL that's there, you're trying to pull files off disk um, via some of the kid parameter, right? Like it's, they've taken it a step further because they did take a step back. They, I'm pretty sure they sat down and they brainstormed what the risks are for JWTs and came up with more things that were possible than basically what was the traditional set or what I've heard multiple times at conferences when people talk about JWTs. So. Yeah. Who's a, f I, I think I th actually, I think it was at the last Locomoco sec in 2019, Philip DeReich talked yeah. about JWTs. And so that's a really great talk. If you, and I'll pull it up while we're, while we're here, I'll pull up the, uh, the talk and, and so that um, yeah, people have that. I mean, I, I would recommend checking it out. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, hopefully, it's on the internet. I'm sure it is somewhere. On Man, the I'll internet. tell you, I am so ready for this conference too. I'll tell you, like, <laughs> just totally to unwind. And I think, like, to your point, it's been a, it's been a crazy year. And um, I mean, our, our teams have grown too at, at work, so it's, it's been a lot more. Um, activity and sure and just things going on in general which is good but it's definitely you know it's got its challenges so yeah be a liar if, yeah. uh, if i said otherwise um anyways so what else do you want to chat about uh while i sit here and fat finger and mess up how to search the internet what else did we have here uh ruby gems are now more secure because they're doing a few things. I think I shared that with you. Oh, do you want to talk about that uh, CISA alert? That came oh, out? man, I was so fascinated. So because like uh, this has been making the waves around security websites in general. Um, I saw through, so I will hat tip Daniel Meisler. I saw through Daniel Meisler's newsletter, which is really awesome. Um, his newsletter and Daniel both. Uh, but anyways, I saw it through that and it was really cool. Like, so, well... Really cool how they shared what attacks were on a broad in a broad sense what attacks were occurring. So the the gist is, um, our, our government was very very clear like, hey, People's Republic of China is attacking the U.S. Right? Um, 
I think we all we've all done. If you didn't know that, like, well, hello. Uh, it's definitely been going on for a while. <laughs> Welcome. Um, this has been going on since the day I started security and long before that, I'm sure. So um, anyways, the article kind of talks about, you know, hey, this is this is the these are the increasing threats that we're seeing. Here's what attacks specifically are occurring and what what are the the types of or what are the methods, the common methods that um, these folks are using. And honestly, it's it's almost like a call to action to patch. Right. Because, you know, yep. they, they talk about how, how much of this is, is honestly just known vulnerabilities that are not that are not being patched. And they talk about they, they do like give some, you know. They give some scenarios for why people aren't patching and the, the constraints that they're working within. But it's kind of like the government saying, hey, can everybody just patch their stuff? That's what it feels like, right? Um, but I think what I extrapolated that was uh, more interesting than all of that was that they mentioned public-facing applications. And uh, let me see if I can pull up the the link here. It's it's funny, man. When I use this camera that I'm on right now, I can scroll like a like a like a like nobody's business but if i use my other camera not gonna happen so they talk about um public facing applications and here's the link for that now that i found it and it walks through what you know essentially mitre has listed as common exploits for public facing applications so um they talk about uh using sql injection they talk about um all kinds of things like uh, I'll just pick out a few here going down the list. Um, they're basically pulling out platforms um, like Microsoft, Microsoft, eh, Microsoft. I can't even say the company that I work for Microsoft exchange vulnerabilities, uh, which is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm assuming that's through the web. I would imagine the web online interface. Um, yeah. <laughs> They 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 mention uh, they mentioned using SQL Map as a uh, as a means of attacking uh, applications. Um, uh, they talk about yeah, just a lot of it's like uh, methods and different CVs that that are being used to exploit these various systems. So um, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. So they used yeah, they so they used some CVs to gain execution on vulnerable Microsoft Exchange servers. Conducted SQL injection attacks against external websites. Um, talk about Zoho Managed Engine Desktop Central, Citrix, uh, just a bunch of different stuff. Black Tech, all the all this fun stuff. So, uh, or ex- uh, sorry, no, Black Tech exploited a buffer overflow vulnerability in, in Microsoft's IIS. Okay, um, so the yeah, just a bunch of different groups and uh, CVEs and the attacks being um, kicked off by them. Anyways. Very cool stuff. Thought it was super fun to read through and interesting. Well, and I mean, this goes, I don't know, like we, we always talk about this in like any training course, right? Like not being the low hanging fruit. Um, and that, I mean, that, that that's basically what CISA is coming out here and asking is like, hey, if we, if we just do this basic level of hygiene, like making sure that we're up to date, it it makes life so much harder for these attack groups to come at like specific or target specific organizations. Um, a lot of this is almost feels like, you know, crimes or exploitive opportunity, right? Like somebody's running IIS 6.0. We know that we have these issues that are out there with it. So all we're going to do is utilize a previously built exploit, deploy our command and control system, 
and then probably patch the server so no one else can get in there and mess with it, right? Right. Um, What's funny is they actually have some of these links to like App28 actually talks about Russian um, intelligence versus People's Republic versus of China. China. Yeah. So which ones so, were they pulling up here in the People's Republic of China? I mean, they, these ones, they definitely called out like Citrix and Cisco, RCEs. Authentication. Yeah, a lot of these. A lot of these appear to actually be Russian in nature. Why is this? Okay, okay. Like Gallium's not. That's a group that's been active since 2012, and identified in Chinese state-sponsored group um, using TTPs commonly associated with Chinese threat actors. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no part of anybody I think that's watching this podcast that's like, oh, that doesn't happen. I mean, we all know it happens, but it's just so interesting to see the to see our, our government come out and say, hey, this is the issue that we're seeing, very blatantly calling out the People's Republic of China. China um, yeah. Very blatantly, you know, pointing to all the different types. Because I mean, we mentioned public facing applications because that's what our podcast is about. That having been said, I mean, they talk about all kinds of different in that article, the first article linked um, they talk about all kinds of different method methodologies and links to other MITRE pages um, and different types of attacks. So it's all it's all very uh, interesting. But yeah, you see some authentication bypasses there, RCE, XML, uh, routing detour attacks, whatever that. Is. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the hell a routing detour attack is. So hold on. You know what that is? Do I? Am I like? I found something I don't know at all. So let's see here. XML routing detour attacks. An attacker subverts an intermediate system used to process XML content, forces the intermediate to modify and or reroute the processing of the content. Oh, so you are rerouting the end result of that parsed XML? Yeah, I think that's basically what it's, that's what I'm taking out of it, right? Is that it's, okay. yeah. I mean, it's routing it to a different place or a different location based on the XML that you're providing it. Right? Oh, oh, I know why this is uh, why this isn't something I'm very familiar with. It's talking about soap here. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, I'll show you the link. I was, I was like, okay, that makes sense now. Okay, so well, but if you're using soap, you know, well, there's I still a lot of services thing. that do right. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, there's still a lot of old ASP.NET out there, and you know other stuff that old Java runs the world right at this point. It does. Um, yeah. It really does. Log4j so kind of reminded everybody of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're dependent on technology. We're dependent on programs that were written, you know, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, if not further, I feel like I need to start looking at mainframes. So, yeah. We need to have trigger warnings for when we say things like log log4j. Hug for Jay. Shot. Yeah. <laughs> Big trigger warning coming up. As people just like have a thousand yard stare and look into the distance. Yeah. Anyways. Um, cool, man. Yeah. That was fun. Um, one, one thing I was going to mention that I totally forgot to mention during the crypto talk. Yes. I'm bringing it back to crypto again. Don't hate me. <laughs> Was Ken, um the, crypto bro? Can, yeah. No, because you mentioned NFTs, and one um one concept I heard, and I'm still trying to work out, is in a future world where or it's a theory, right? In a future world where potentially we're living more in vir 
are living in virtual reality more of the time, we'll say. Uh, the NFTs could be used as a as a means to just claim property in the digital landscape um, mm -hmm. that would be detangled from the uh, centralized sort of. So like think uh, a digital home or within the home, digital gold or art piece or whatever inside that digital world that you're living in. It's a it's a way to, to basically say that's mine's right? And uh, mm -hmm. keep it decentralized. So anyways, um, have you thought about that? Have you heard heard that theory? Uh, um, I was a little confused. I'm like, well, at the end of the day, you still I think you need is it is sort of like a uh, it would have to shift I, how how that how that world interacts in terms of like technically, I would think. But yeah, I'm curious. Well, it, it, like, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I know, like my thought there is, unless the you know that digital world is checking for, you know, authorized NFTs or checking like you know to see whether or not your online presence owns that NFT before they allow it to be presented, um, there's got to be a gatekeeper somewhere in there in order to validate that, right? That's that's the big issues that we have with NFTs right now is great. So you bought a board ape NFT. I can still copy that image and use it wherever I want. Um, it doesn't right. restrict that because there's no, there's no gatekeeper that's checking that authorization or checking that token to make sure that it is, you know, owned by you before it's being displayed. Right. Like that's not built into browsers. There's no image processor that, you know, checks that. Um, and until that becomes the the standard, it's just kind of a waste, right? Like I just, I, honestly, right? Like it's, you yeah. know, you're throwing money at things and that's great. Maybe in a future digital world, that's going to be valuable in some way. Um, you know, so if Meta decides that they're going to, you know, drop or they're going to mint NFTs for digital spaces within the metaverse, okay, then at that point you're actually paying for something, but it's only going to be valid in the metaverse or in that, in that world where it's, it's been issued. Um, and so it like, it, it feels like a lot of fun money right now. There's a lot of speculation around it, but it's not necessarily something that is like, I wouldn't go spend $200,000 on an NFT for, you know, that, at, you know, meta was minting, right? Like I just wouldn't do that because that feels like a ridiculous <laughs> waste of money to me. Just, yeah, just putting that out there. You don't get it, man. You don't get it. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's funny that you say you, you use the term gatekeeper, but really what you're saying is authorization. That's, that's yeah, what we're it talking is. about. There's, there's it's almost as if <laughs> you would have to provide some information that only you know to authorize the use of some re no, I know that's why I'm having a hard time conceptualizing so much of this is that like, I love the idea of it. That's the thing is don't get me wrong. I'm the most optimistic, cynical person about all of this that you'll, you're going to find. Like, I really want it to work. I think it's cool. I'm going to start tagging you in crypto posts on Twitter. I know. Just, just so you get. Oh like, God. This well, every time we do get a, every time our tweet has a little watch, if Aaron has tweeted out, and by the way, Aaron's awesome. I just want to give a shout out to Aaron while he's awesome. Uh, he helps us. He's been helping us out with all of our interactions and all of that. Um, but anyways, if he tweets out like crypto in the word or Bitcoin or whatever, immediately we get spammers like 
hey, hmm. top 20 Bitcoin or whatever transaction things and, you know, all the emojis. And it's just like, what the hell? So anyways, um, don't point is don't tag me in any crypto stuff <laughs> at all, please. <laughs> um, no, but watch, I'm just going to get tagged by everyone on crypto yeah, stuff. No, exactly. Yep. Yep. That's gonna literally just going to be replies of with crypt, the, just the single word crypto in it. Yeah, no, I think I, it's I a totally fascinating thing. Track. Like, yeah, I know. No, I just, I, I'm really interested in the concept of how to truly keep things decentralized. And then the idea of like, you know, owning digital property is, um, I think the, the, that, that's, that's the most like tangible, you know, I can sort of see it kind of use case, but I think. So I, I have one, I have one use case there that I know, like, it's, Again, blockchain is a solution in search of a problem, right? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, good way, yes, good way okay. of saying it. But there is a there is a problem when it comes to like um, minting and um, like issue, issuing of non fungible tokens that like I definitely see coming up pretty quickly, and I'm I'd be surprised if they're not already on this, and that is ticket sales for sporting and concert events. Ooh. Yes. Like that, that is a, that is a problem, right? Like the most recent, and those of you that know me know that I like soccer, like I like, you know, football, right? Whatever, right? Like the most recent um, Champions League you know, final in Europe, they had a huge issue that something like uh, two thirds of the Liverpool fans that showed up for this final actually were used or presented fake tickets. Really? Yep. Yep. Um, so they were unable to get into the event because they had bought these tickets either, you know, through third parties or people had targeted them because they, you know, they wanted to go to this match and there was no, like, it was next to impossible to validate that they had a real ticket for the match until they showed up at the gate and tried to scan it and were told, nope, go away, right? Um, which is like, it's extremely disheartening that people are doing that sort of thing, right. To, you know, whatever somebody's spending their life savings to go to this match and they can't make it in. But that's, that is a place where I see NFTs as having a real world use. Right. Um, so I'm, you know, if I'm Ticketmaster or I'm one of these large ticket sellers, I have a blockchain and I mint, you know, 60,000 seats, um, each one has a specific number or whatever in it. I pass it to a wallet um, and the wallets are all hosted in the Ticketmaster application. Um, and like, yeah, I, at that point, yeah, that's... Like, you can validate on the chain that this wallet address owns that seat, right? Um, and then you could also have still the third-party resellers going on and going in and selling it to other people for specific amounts because it's all on the chain and it's all verifiable. But again, that's it, that, that the chain is your gatekeeper at that point for those tokens. I was just thinking, I was like, one idorvuln, and that whole system falls apart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, no matter how cool the NFT is in that use case, and it is, that's a really, that's a very good use case. It, yeah, it just comes down to like, it's just so frustrating. It's hard to get away. I want to get away from it. I want to like, I want to get to new vulns and new things, but like, it does always seem to come back to where we're mixing something with old infrastructure, or not old, but like the, you know, the, the way that we've been building infrastructure. The, since we've the, been building the infrastructure crocs stuff. and socks of security do not change. <laughs> yeah. 
They do not. Triple A. They're the fundamentals AAA, for a reason. The fundamentals. Yes. There's a reason that we've been talking that, you know, they were written into a textbook in the 60s and they just haven't changed. Right. Like, you know, it all comes back to that. Right. Like proving identity, proving authorization, proving like, you know, you are, you know, you did what you said or, you know, what you did. And anyway, yeah, I won't go into it too much because I get made fun of for my my. Yeah, my logging. That'll never change. Yeah, blah blah blah. <laughs> we uh, still but now you've got me sucks. all on the logging. Sucks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, still... <laughs> Join the logging cult. It's <laughs> yes. No one does it right. Hey, the most recent code base that you reviewed. Did they do logging right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> No, it's, it's a hard, it's like I said, it's a, it's a hard problem to, uh, well, it, it's yeah. Anyways, we, I don't want, yeah, I almost went down the rabbit hole. Never mind. Uh, yes. So I, but I know I, like, I definitely, and well, for sure I'll find somebody, uh, I'll, I should probably work with Aaron to find somebody who is really good with, uh, actually, you know what? I would be interested to have Stefan on. I know he back on, um, yeah. to talk about this, but, uh, for sure. I'd like to, Stefan definitely probably can pull in someone else that um, also is knowledgeable and we can have a whole very educated, uh, much more educated than I am on the subject uh, conversation. So, yeah. Well, and it would be interesting, right? Like I know when we had Ken Toller on as well, talking about like, you know, where people get started in the space, if there's a lot of interest there, we should, you know, push that direction. Cause I, you know, like, yeah, I, I'm seeing more of it from a code review perspective, clients asking to review web three stuff. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in that sort of thing, jump on in and let's talk about it. Join the Slack channel and you know, let's, let's keep investigating it. Cause it's super exciting. It's, it's super interesting. Yes, sir. Cool, cool. times, cool times. So right, well, uh, any last thoughts for the evening? Uh um, Crocs and socks of security are still important. No, that's about it, right? I want to see if you watch this show and you are at Locomocosec, please say hi. If you're a DEF CON Black Hat, please let us know. Hit us up on Slack, DM, or whatever. Um, if, if, you, if you're you know, comfortable uh, meeting up. I mean, like, honestly, I would be totally down to, to maybe even do a, like a lunch thing or something. Um, I don't know. Just like meaning like, you know, get together with anybody yeah. who wants to... Uh, to meet up um but yeah i think it'd be fun um but yeah local well, Buffalo Buffalo will be there. that's a that's a that's a good idea because i mean we'll definitely i'll definitely have t-shirts and stickers and everything else with us i'm not going to bring a ton of them to hawaii right like uh, you know if you're going to be there and you would like one just let us know and i'll make sure and bring you know and pack you know one for you um but i will definitely have stickers and you know pins and other things like that that we'll bring along um, but DEF CON will be an easier one for us to get a bunch of swag down there. Um, yeah. And yeah. We'll start a channel in the Slack group talking about the different conferences. So if you're going to be there, make sure that you reach out and we'll, yeah, we'll set up a meetup and just go chill and talk web three or talks code review, right? Like, yeah, whatever. Talk about logging and NFTs. That's what, no, logging no, and we'll... NFTs. No. Yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about logging. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Good times. Well, good times. I'm just excited yeah. that we're back in person, man. Like I got to tell you, I love giving training in person. I like seeing people like hallway con in person, you know, yep. just 
man, just couldn't be more grateful for that. And uh, it's going to be a good year, rest of the year. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. We're halfway well, through it. Thanks, my God. everybody. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Take care. We'll catch everybody online next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Later. Bye. Ciao.